Hey, what's up? Hey man, thanks for coming over tonight. It's a great night for a campfire. The fireflies are out in force this summer. They're so surreal, like God's little flying organic LEDs. Yeah, that's the bullfrogs down at the creek. They're out in force tonight after the nice summer shower we had today. I'm telling you, my friend, it's going to be a good one. Hey, you're listening to Quat Dot Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. If this is your first time to tune in, advancing equilibrium means promoting the peace that is found only in Jesus Christ. If you'd like more information about the background of this podcast, I refer you to episode one where I go into detail. Today's podcast is Prayer That Pays, The Prayer Room. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. In my early days of ministry, I had the privilege to meet a man by the name of Billy Graham. Billy was a full-time preacher and evangelist, but not the world-famous evangelist by the same name. Billy was born legally blind, severely disabled, with limited use of his hands and arms, and was wheelchair-dependent from birth. Before Billy married, he lived with a couple who provided him a place to live and assistance with his needs. They believed in Billy and his ministry. I can still remember the couple's faces, but I can't remember their names. What stands out about them, though, is that they had a room in their house dedicated for prayer. I went to visit Billy one day, and he showed me the prayer room. My first reaction internally to the room was one of apprehension, sort of like I was viewing the vestiges of some sort of cultic relic. At the time, it spooked me a little. I had never seen anything like it, nor had I ever known another Christian who had a room in their house dedicated to prayer, sort of like a temple, a little temple. There was nothing wrong or peculiar about it. It was nicely decorated with pictures and symbols of the Christian faith. There was a comfortable chair and seating in the prayer list. But folks, isn't that sad? Due to the rarity of Christian in-home dedicated prayer rooms, it threw me off kilter. Just think about how much better place the world would be if every Christian had a dedicated place for prayer in their home. A dedicated place for prayer, be it a separate room or the living room, It shouldn't be an oddity in Christianity. It should be the norm. In my ministry over the years, I have worked with people from many other cultures. I have encountered many dedicated people of other religions who have in-home altars of prayer and worship. Almost all of those people had the dedicated place of prayer and devotion out in the main living area, closeted from the world but not from the family. And most were proud of their dedicated space and would tell me about it. I remember visiting a young woman once when Asked if she believed in the Bible, she said, yes, I have one on my altar. I asked, you have an altar? She then invited me and the person who was with me to step inside her apartment to see it. We stepped just inside the door, and there on the opposite wall was an altar shelf, and on the shelf was a small, tiny Bible. She then pointed out that she had it on the altar with other items she felt gave her power. She had reduced the Bible to a talismanic thing, along with a cross and other trinkets she felt had power, or inspired her in a spiritual way. I was amazed even the New Age religion girl had an altar. Yet, I've only met one Christian who had a dedicated prayer room and altar. This should not be. Prayer is fundamental to the Christian faith and life. We see dedicated prayer modeled by people in the Bible like Daniel, who in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says that he prayed three times a day. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it said that the dedicated disciples were going to the temple at 3 o'clock to pray. But by the first century religious life in Israel, prayer had degraded into mere ritual and public drama. Against the backdrop of the religious leaders' public spectacles of prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples about the prayer that pays. 
Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. And so there's some things I want us to see real quickly about this passage of Scripture that has to do with prayer, intimate prayer, private prayer, secret prayer before a loving Father who rewards our prayers. He answers our prayers. Number one, prayer that pays is intimate. And we see that in verses 5 and 6. Jesus said, whenever you pray, it's not to be pretentious public prayer. And there's a danger here. He warns against this pretentious public prayer. It fosters hypocrisy, he says, and it seeks the limelight, which extinguishes the incense of prayer. This is the model the religious leaders were modeling for the people. This is not a prohibition against public prayer, but a strong warning of the danger. If we are not careful, we will formulate words to impress the human hearers rather than address God, the only one who can meet our deepest needs. What do we gain from other humans? This is a warning for us today, but it's private. It's not public, it's private. God desires, it says in verse 6, and keep in mind that these instructions are in the imperative. It means that they are commandments. It's to be private, not performance. Privacy, not performance. He says, you go into your inner room. That's a commandment. That means an interior room, usually without windows, a strictly private room. Luke chapter 12, verse 3, it says, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. And to heighten that sense of privacy, Jesus commands, he says, you lock the door. It means to securely shut, to shut, lock, bar. Also, God desires that it be a sense of family and not formality. He says, you pray to your father, defined as he who is in secret. He's in the secret place. And so God desires for us to have an intimate relationship with Him as Father. You see, man sees in public. Only God sees in private. When it comes to prayer that pays, God is in the closet, not in the corridor. When we find ourselves in the midst of the struggles of life, we must meet God in the closet. He's not coming out. He wants you and me to come in. When we have a need, don't we want someone to listen to us? We want their undivided attention. We have a need to know experientially that somebody out there cares. Well, I want to inform you, friend, nobody out there really cares. Not like you need to be cared for. Now, listen to what I'm saying. That's not to say that your spouse or your friend or your parents don't care about you or your son or your daughter or your work associate. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the kind of care that you need to minister to your soul, to the core of who you are. The best love relationship on the earth cannot give your soul the type of support it needs to be really healthy and at peace. Too many people today are looking for soul satisfaction in the heart of another human when that is an impossibility. We are all in need before God, and only God is the one who can truly meet the needs of our soul, our inner person. At best, as China Phillips Baldwin says on a regular basis on her podcast, we are all just little children walking each other home. If you want real care, you must go in there alone with God and meet with Him. As they say, mouth to ear. 
He wants to give you his undivided attention. God is big on privacy. Friend, that should encourage you this morning that the God, the creator God of the universe, wants to have an intimate, secret relationship with you. And let me tell you, friend, he'll keep your secret secret. Prayer that pays is heard, not seen. You see, the Bible makes it clear only God can see in the dark. It's secret, not public. It's whispered, not shouted. It's intimate. Do you want to impact the public? And friend, I want to ask you, do you want to impact the public? You may say, well, Kenny, why do I care about that? Friend, why don't you care about that? Don't you have a compassion for the world? And if not, you need to ask yourself what's going on in your heart. But you should have a heart to want to impact the world, to impact the public. And to do that, you must contact God in private. In the second part of verse 6, there's a guarantee. Jesus says, your Father will reward you. Friend, so many times we forget that there is reward in prayer. Reward means divine recompense for obedience to God's will. So let that be an encouragement to you today, that your prayers before Almighty God are not wasted. They come with a reward. Also, there is prayer that pays as confident in verses 7 and 8. It's not wordy. There's a danger that men actually believe that whoever is long in prayer is heard. Or if you repeat it enough times, God will hear. But we need to remember, we have heard it said in times past that what we need to do is pray down a Holy Ghost revival as in Acts chapter 2. This is wrong. It's the wrong thinking. This scripture condemns wordiness here in Matthew and vain repetition in our prayers. Lengthy babble doesn't garner God's attention. It annoys him. By babble, I don't mean unintelligible. I mean more like rambling on, carrying on in your speech. And friend, it's painful to admit, but it's true, that vain repetition and lengthy prayers reveal an insulting lack of confidence in God. It is an insult to our relationship with Him and His love and true care for us. Worst of all, our prayers will not pay. There's a story that's told an elderly woman shook the hand of her pastor as she was walking out the door after the Sunday morning worship service was over. As she shook his hand, she said, Pastor, I really enjoyed both messages this morning. But, the pastor objected, I only preached one. The elderly woman replied, I meant the one you preached and the one you prayed. Friends, too many times that's true. Let it not be said of us. Let us get to the point. Let's tell God what's on our hearts and trust that He will respond. The prayer that pays is confident and to the point. We can have confidence that God listens, heeds, and responds to us because... Why? He is our loving Father. It says in Scripture, they think that in their much speaking they will be heard. Think about it. Here's how we are heard, because He's our loving Father. He says, your Father, three times in these verses. Prayer that pays is confident prayer that's based on a familial relationship with our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, we can have confidence that He hears and that He listens and that He responds. Is because why? Because it's His nature. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, and that's in the next chapter of this book of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Friend, and when He calls us evil, in other words, in relationship to God, we're second best. And yet we want to do good for those we love. 
How much more then, Jesus makes it clear, is our love from our Heavenly Father to us and wants to do good things for those who ask. You know, we can have confidence in God because He knows exactly what we need before we ask. In the English Standard Version, chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So why do you ask? Friend, we don't ask to inform. We ask because we want what our Father has. The reward, the answer, the need met. And my friend, there's nothing selfish about that because Christ is the one who's told us to do it, to ask. I recently found an antique picture I have of the classic painting that depicts Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. The painting is called Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane by Heinrich Hoffman. I was so excited to find it in the last remains of our move from Texas, and I just found it just recently. It's hung here on my office wall. I'm so excited because I'm using it as a part of dedicating this space, my office, as a place of prayer and dedicated for meditation before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have a link to the image in the show notes. I hope it inspires you. Dear friend, I want to encourage you. We need to relax in the Lord, drop the pretension, tell Him what's on our minds and leave it with Him, and have full confidence in Him as our loving Father in heaven who will perfectly answer our prayer in His time and in His way. And when He answers it, we will know it is from Him and we will be blessed. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.